Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. You can learn more about our next 633 event, the live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, called Two Steps Forward, One Step Back. Psalm 96 says, verse 5, For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord, by contrast, made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Why would you go back to an idol pounded out with human hands? Who, though they have eyes, they cannot see. Though they have ears, they cannot hear. Though they have a mouth, they cannot speak. God says to his own people, caught in the cycle of idolatry, cry out to them next time you need help. See what they do for you. And we know what our old slave masters did to us. I know what they did to me. I know where they left me. I know the regret and the emptiness that I felt over and over again by serving those old gods. But the devil gets us to focus just on a few things instead of the big picture. Psalm 106, 36 says, Israel served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. Psalm 106, verse 37. These idols made Israel do such unthinkable things that God, in human language, says, you did things that didn't even enter into my mind that someone could do such things. Your idols will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. And that is what we need to remember when we're tempted to go back. And we are. Jeremiah 16, 20. Jeremiah says, can... Can man make gods for himself? Yet they are not gods. Therefore, behold, I'm going to make them know. This time I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord, Jeremiah 16, 20 and 21. And Jonah, from the belly of the sea monster, decided to pray. And what was Jonah doing? Running away from God. (laughs) And he's in the belly of the sea monster. And Jonah prayed, and he says these words. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, their loyal love. Idols are called many times in the Bible vain because they're like a vapor. They pass away quickly. They are empty. They don't give. Idols don't give. They take, take, and take some more. Amen? Paul says, why would you do that? Why would you go back to slavery? God's Given you not the spirit of slavery, Romans 8.15, but the, seer, the spirit of sonship. He doesn't want you to have a, a spirit of fear. And many people are held hostage by their fears. And so verse 9 says, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back, this is the ESV, again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? whose slaves you want to be once more. Now that you know God, how can you turn back? The word for return is epistrepho in Greek. It's a word often used for turning to Christ, to being converted. 
But here, it's used in the opposite sense. It's turned on its head. So that epistrepho here means turning back away from God to the old ways. And I don't think that we have to think very long to consider some faces maybe that you've known along this journey that are nowhere to be found now, though they made a Christian confession. And you might say, well, where are they now? Probably in some form of servitude to their old gods. And Paul says, as he said in Galatians 1.6, I'm astonished that you're turning away so quickly. Turning away from God, that's the ultimate tragedy, but turning back to the elemental things. Remember last week, if you were with us, we began to examine what the elemental things are. Some people think they're demonic spirits. Some people think they uh, have to do with the elementary things of the world, like earth and air and fire and water and what the pagans used to worship. Some say that a modern way to capture the elemental worthless things is by sex, drugs, money, and prosperity. And back they went. And so they were leaving their freedom. I was listening to a radio show one day. It was a sports talk radio show. And the radio host did not appear to be Christians because they were kind of mocking Christianity. And they said that one of their buddies had recently become a Christian. And they kind of considered him a bit of a bummer now. He said, oh, you're a Christian now. Christian. Oh, you're a Christian. And, and they said this. They said, he'll be back. And then one of the hosts of the radio talk show said, they always come back. That was his cynical attitude of converted Christians. He'll be back. Wow. But for so many of you, I look around this room, and I've known some of you for decades, and your conversion has stuck. Oh, you struggle. Oh, you, you have had you know, a time of growth but you haven't gone back. Whenever progress with Christ proves difficult, says one writer, we hear voices clamoring for us to come back. And if we listen, we'll find our minds flooded with the memories of how good life used to be. But we must not listen to those hollow sounds or look to those mirage memories. They are just old attachments razzing us Give them only a deaf ear and a blind eye. I was reading a little bit in a commentary about Augustine, a very notable early church father who talked about his struggles coming out of his old life away from God and now trusting God and how those old voices used to pound at him. And he had to fight them away and refuse to answer the door when sin was knocking. Verse 10 says, you observe days. Some believe that this is Sabbath days or special festival days. Months. Some believe this refers to the new moon that marked the beginning of each month. Seasons. Perhaps great feasts or festivals and years. Most likely sabbatical years or perhaps even the year of Jubilee. You observe. See the word observe in verse 10? It's a word that means you carefully observe. You spy it out with meticulous, scrupulous uh, attention to de detail, you observe the days. Now, two major views that you need to know about on this verse 10. Some scholars believe that the Galatian believers have returned to the pagan 
calendar. What was the pagan calendar? Filled with festivals. Festivals to the moon god. Festivals to the sun god. Festivals to the Roman emperor. And you gave offerings and you were part perhaps of uh, uh, parades and, and, and the like. And you honored the false gods. And, and some believe it's the pagan festivals, the pagan calendar that the Galatians are going back to. But if you're thinking with me from a big picture standpoint, you know that one of the biggest challenges against Galatian Gentiles, non-Jews, was they were being told that they had to keep the Torah, the law of Moses, they had to be circumcised, keep the food laws, etc. Everybody with me? And so I think the majority of scholars say the temptation for the Galatian believers is to go back and keep the Torah in a meticulous fashion. Shabbat, the Sabbath the major festivals, a kosher diet, circumcision, and on and on it goes. Now, I've, I've encouraged us to be careful to see that Torah observance, that is celebrating Passover, tabernacles, etc., is not a bad thing. And if someone is a Jewish Christian, or even if you're a Gentile, if you want to celebrate those things, that's just fine. But don't make those things salvific explanation. Don't think that by doing those things, that's what saves you. Christ saves you by grace, through faith, not by works. Because by the works of the law, no flesh, Galatians 2.16, will be justified. Some of you have a background where certain days had to be honored in certain ways. And if you didn't do it exactly according to the prescription of that particular religious expression, you felt what? Some of you can really relate to this. Condemned. Why? Because you didn't do on that day or that time what you were supposed to do, and somehow you thought that meant that you were going to lose your salvation. And Paul's saying, no, no, circumcision doesn't save you. Skip ahead. Look at Galatians 5. 2 through 4. He says, Behold, I, Paul, Galatians 5 2, I say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you, in the sense of if you think that's going to save you. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. And then buckle your seatbelt. You've been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Oh my goodness. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program and If you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. 
That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Some of you have a background where certain days had to be honored in certain ways. And if you didn't do it exactly according to the prescription of that particular religious expression, you felt what? Some of you can really relate to this. Condemned. Why? Because you didn't do on that day or that time what you were supposed to do, and somehow you thought that meant that you were going to lose your salvation. And Paul's saying, no! No! Circumcision doesn't save you. Skip ahead. Look at Galatians 5, 2-4. He says, Behold, I, Paul, Galatians 5, 2, I say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. In the sense of, if you think that's going to save you, I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. And then, buckle your seatbelt. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Oh my goodness. This is how serious the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says these issues are. What's going on here? Is it the pagan calendar? Is it the Mosaic calendar? I think the evidence from a big picture standpoint is it's the Mosaic calendar, but for the wrong reasons. Look, if you want to celebrate Passover, God bless you. But don't think that if you miss the celebration or you didn't keep the Sabbath perfectly, etc., you're not saved. Jesus came into a Jewish world where so many people were under the extra things added by the rabbis that they couldn't even move on the Sabbath. They didn't even know what it meant to experience grace. And so many in our culture think that their salvation is by performance or their salvation is if I do this certain thing on this certain day or don't eat that or no, look, Christ saves you. If you want to keep the festivals, etc., you do that as an expression of gratitude or praise. Final verse. I fear for you, 11, that perhaps I've labored over you in vain. Late last night, I started thinking about the phrase, I fear for you, and I wrote this, and I'm just going to read to you what I wrote last night. In this last verse, there's something that struck me deeply. 
It is in this phrase, I fear for you. If you have a new King James, I'm afraid for you. Consider the recipients of this word. It is not spoken to those outside the church as much as that applies. It is spoken to those who have heard and accepted, apparently, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is there a place in our modern preaching and hearing for a phrase like, I'm afraid for you? I wonder if any of us can claim that we have ever said this from a pulpit or otherwise. The temptation is not to say it for all the reasons that we're well aware of. Paul has experienced their incredible kindness toward him. He's aware that he doesn't want to have an adversarial relation with them or relationship or be considered their enemy. Look at 4, 15, and 16. Paul says, he says, where then is that sense of blessing you had, 415? I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. Note it. This is a study ahead of us. So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? I think we can hear the spirit of Paul's concern. He cares enough to tell them the truth, and he is legitimately fearful for them. I must search my heart. I ask myself, if I am caring and fearful enough for potential lost souls to take similar risks. I told you about that memorial service where the uncle stood up and said, it's not automatic. Not everybody's going to heaven. You must turn to Christ. And even though it might hit us on a human level as maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe that's uncaring. But I wonder how many of those attendees will remember these words whether they like them or not, and what fruit has come as a result, and what fruit would come if we do the opposite and we don't tell people what they need to hear. Think about this. Truth spoken, spirit directed in love for the right reasons at the right time with the right motive can be extremely powerful. They can change a life, perhaps yours today. As the writer of Hebrews says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I say this as a pastor with a heart for God's people and a heart for the lost to say, have we gone, gone so far the other way in political correctness, trying to make everybody feel good about themselves, that we've moved away from phrases like, I'm afraid for you. And Look, in the normal course of life, I understand the temptation to be soft and, and gracious. Look, we are all lost and we're all ignorant. But I also look at helicopter crashes and car crashes and a sense of urgency about people coming to know the Lord. Everybody with me? And I ask the question, where, where is the place for I'm afraid for you? See, the most important not to t- reason not to turn back is we turn our back on the one who died for us, our creator and our savior who died in our place, and we turn back to that which is empty and futile. I picture Peter. Lord, though all forsake you, I will not. And Jesus says, Peter, this night, you're going to deny that you know me three times. And Peter, he did it. He denied the Lord, and he went out, and he wept bitterly, but he turned back again. And here's the good news. If you've been a prodigal, if you've been away, you can turn back again. Paul says, look, I I don't want to end up in a situation where 
Perhaps, end of 11, I labored over you in vain. None of us want that. None of us want to do anything that we have done substantively for unfruitful purpose, purposes or empty results. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to look back on a bunch of work that they did with a group of people and say, oh, it was all for nothing. That's Paul's concern. I don't think it's a selfish concern. I think he's just saying on that day when I'm before the Lord, I want to present you as my joy and crown. Don't turn back. All this would then be vain. Oh, I have no greater joy, says John, that my, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Oh, God, help us. Help us be like Paul, would you bow? He compared himself to a woman in labor until Christ was formed in this church. And Father, thank you that you're so patient with us, so patient with me. This little powerful section is it's life-changing, really. And there's warnings here about not going back to the old ways, but there's also this great hope that we are sons and daughters of the King, heirs of the kingdom of God. We can't turn back. There's no place else to go. You alone, Peter would say, have the words of eternal life. And Lord, when the going gets tough, and it does, and when we have our question marks, help us to lean into you. Help us to trust you. I'm going to ask you to keep your heart bowed for a moment. However the Lord's spoken to you through this message right now, would you just take a little... Salah time, Salah time. Just, just consider what's been spoken. Just keep your eyes closed. Let God's word do its work. Do you need to come back home? Maybe uh, you've kind of, maybe there's something about the gospel that you could take more seriously here. Maybe it's something you need to celebrate. Your adoption as a son or daughter. Maybe it's a combination of many things. Father, would you help us by your spirit to hear your voice and to just amend our ways to your ways. Bless this beautiful, wonderful congregation. They, I know they're so hungry to hear from you and grow. Bless them, Lord. And if you're here and you don't know that you know Jesus, just give your life right now. Just ask him to save you. If you're a prodigal, just say, Father, I'm coming home. You've been listening to Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, part three on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 8 through 11. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program or part one or two, you can always listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you have some time, visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about our program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate the program and what it has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of your support. Now, it's our mission to equip you and new listeners with the truth of the Bible and how it applies to today's issues. And as you know, there's a lot of issues today. So, If you can give just $5, we believe that the Lord is faithful and your $5 donation is going to go a long way to help keep this ministry thriving.
You can give that $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on donate. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the Christian life has been described as a walk, and we need to keep walking and progressing. We need to keep walking toward the Lord, not backward, not away from the Lord. And the pace of our walk is a good description of, you know, just kind of how the Christian needs to take it a day at a time, a moment at a time, uh, pacing yourself with prayer, the word of God, fellowship, worship, um, you know, just, uh, community is so important. And, uh, as you surround yourself with those things, you'll be walking out what you believe. You'll be walking in wisdom. That's what we're talking about. That's kind of the bottom line of this message is moving forward, walking with the Lord, walking in the spirit. And there'll be more to come as we move into chapter five in the book of Galatians. Well, tomorrow, right here on Walk in Truth, we have a very special interview coming up with Monique Dusan, as we've been telling you about a special event coming up at Living Truth, our 633 event happening on August 13th. And we're dealing with race, injustice, and the gospel of critical theory. And Monique's going to be our special guest. Tune in tomorrow to hear some highlights about what's going to be happening with that event. It's going to be very enlightening and very powerful, and we'll see you right here. God bless you. And before you go, please follow Walk in Truth Show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We would love to connect with you. And join us tomorrow for a special program with Pastor Michael as he interviews Chantel Monique Dusan, a racial unity advocate and the founder of the Center of Biblical Unity. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.